everybody. This is Nathan Tyson. And Chris Miller, authors of Fugitive Songs. And you're listening to Musical World. Hold on tight. Here comes another bombshell in a Buick. I feel her hands behind the wheel coming my direction. She changes lanes, breezes by, and eyes her rearview mirror. She checks to find who else her ex cursing her reflection. Was that girl? I think her name was Tracy. She used to be my girlfriend. Ooh, 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 ooh. There goes Tracy. I'm over her. I'm done with her. Moving on and moving far, but Tracy's behind the wheel of every passing car. Here comes a jeep. Here comes a bus. A line of guided missiles. She must like feeding me her dust, and I must like to eat it. Clear my mind, enjoy the ride. Forget the day she dumped me. I bet it's just the heat and the sweat making me repeat it. Ooh, 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 who was that girl? I think her name was Tracy. She used to be my girlfriend. Ooh, 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 ooh. There goes Tracy. I'm over her. I'm done with her. Isn't it bizarre that Tracy's behind the wheel of every passing car? Tracy in a semi, eighteen wheels flying by. Tracy in a pickup, honking horns and chucking gravel. How much longer can I travel? How much farther? How much faster? Playing catch up with disaster. There's a fine yellow line between being passed by her and getting past her. That girl, I think her name was Tracy. She used to be my girlfriend. Ooh, 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 ooh. There goes Tracy. How can you run away when you don't know where you are? And Tracy's behind the wheel of every passing car. Tracy's behind the wheel of every passing car. Tracy in first. Get past when I ever get past passing Tracy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Musical World, episode eighty-two. Holy yeah, moly! 82. Did I say that right? Eighty-two. I, I guess myself. <laughs> yeah, just when you thought it was safe to go back to your <laughs> local podcast. We've got a couple great yeah. guests here today. Um, we are we're kind of splitting America up here today. The three of us are right smack dab in the middle of Ohio, and Mr. Chris Miller is in L.A. 
San Francisco. San Francisco. And okay. uh, Nathan Tyson, you're in New York City, aren't you? I'm actually in Salina, Kansas. Oh, my oh. gosh. Oh, we thought well, you were on the coast. The, you're in the heartland, too. So. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> we're on the eastern end of things this time. How about that? So we're still all in different time zones, though, so that is uh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. So are you guys doing research here for your on-the-road type of shows that you're doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. We try to travel around the country as much as possible. Honestly, for me, I just try to avoid uh, New York in the summertime because my uh, third-floor bedroom in uh, Brooklyn is a kiln. It's so oh, hot, man. so I just I just run away. Although it's 100 degrees in Kansas right now, so oh, I can't yeah. really. I imagine. I'm not winning. The, the first song yeah. that we played that you just heard at the intro... That was a song called uh, Passing Tracy from your show, Fugitive Songs. And it was sung by Luther Creek. And we're going to talk about uh, Fugitive Songs a little bit later. Why are you in Frisco and why are you in Kansas instead of New York? Well, I'm in San Francisco. I'm doing a a writer's retreat at Theater Works uh, in Palo Alto, uh, which is... uh, uh, I'm I'm working with a bunch of other writers uh, on a new piece uh, as a sort of collaborative effort, uh, using the uh, using the jumping off point of uh, Arthur Schnitzler's La Ronde. I don't think that it's based on La Ronde. I think we're going to come up with something else, but sort of like structurally playing with whatever that is. So. I'm here with a bunch of other fantastic writers like Jenny Gearing and Brian Laudermilk and Kate Kerrigan and Adam Kwan and uh we're uh we're we're starting tomorrow and we're just gonna try and figure something out <laughs> this week. Wow, that so that's why I'm in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm excited. And what brings you to Kansas? Well, my uh my family. I'm visiting my family. Oh, okay. And uh, and I also um, play in a rock and roll band, and uh, this band is is uh, headlining the uh, Smoky Hill River Festival uh, this Friday night, and uh, we had rehearsal this week, and then we're we're playing Friday night, so uh, that's that's why I am in Kansas. Very cool. All the rock yeah. Broadway hits. So how did you two meet and begin writing together? We both went to the NYU Musical Theater Writing Program. It's a graduate program. Uh, both of us came out straight out of college. And uh, we, we met there. It's a two-year program. And in the first year, uh, you write. Basically, there's 10 writers, 10 composers. And in the first year, every words person works with every music person, uh, working on everything from, you know, uh, small songs to 10 minutes, 20 minute musicals. And then in the second year, uh, you pick one person and you collaborate with them on a full length musical. Um, and Chris and I, I mean, really from day one, kind of looking around the room, we realized, yeah, I think we're going to writing together and uh very quickly we we started writing songs even though we weren't actually paired together to write a song until the last assignment of our first year um and that yeah. was man that started in that was 99 so we've been doing it for a while now together yeah. um talk to us about the burnt part boys and that project well, well that, was our, that was our thesis oh wow 
Yeah. Um, and when um, it was our thesis, it was a much different. It was a much different show. Um, and yet, the, there was a lot of interest in in the piece because of uh, kind of the energy of it. Um, basically, we set off to write. Um, Stand by Me or The Goonies, the musical, uh, just kind of putting boys on an adventure. And for a long time in grad school, it was called The Untitled Mountain Adventure. Uh, Bill Finn, who was uh, one of our teachers and mentors in the program and, and a huge supporter of the show, he actually loved that title a lot. He's like, I think you should just call it The Untitled Mountain Adventure. That's a great <laughs> name for a musical. We settled right. on the Burnt Pot Boys. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we wrote, we did that at NYU and it was an absolute mess. Uh, it was, it was way too confusing. It was like a, a, a hundred minute Scooby-Doo episode. There were way too many characters. Um, and, and basically coming out of NYU, uh, we made a really nice demo of it and, uh, people started getting interested in the music. Um, and it wasn't until three years later uh, when Bill Finn, after the success of Spelling Bee that he uh, put together at the Barrington Stage Company, um, started this new uh, musical theater uh, summer program down at Barrington to develop new musicals. They call it the Stage 2 program. And Bill called us and said, um, have you guys been looking at the burnt part? And uh, we said, funny enough, we actually are uh, working on the burnt part where we've like completely stripped it away except for like our five main boys and the, the idea that they're climbing up this mountain. And we've brought in a book writer and uh, we really want to make this show happen. And uh, with the help of Bill Finn and Barrington Stage and I think at the end of the day, four other theaters that helped us produce the show. It finally ran off Broadway last um, April, May, and June uh, uh, at Playwrights Horizons. And it was co-produced by Playwrights Horizons and the Vineyard Theater. We're going to play a tune Um, from a burnt part called Man I Never Knew. You want to tell us about that? Sure. Uh, so the, the basic story, it's 1962, it's rural West Virginia. The, the boy that's singing the song, his name is Pete. He has just found out that the coal mine that his father um, was tragically killed in 10 years prior is being reopened. So he, he finds out that it's being reopened, and hearing that news, he has to decide what actions he's going to take. All right, who's, uh, who's singing The Man I Never Knew? Daniel Zychik. He was our original Pete when we did the Barrington State production. Um, what year was that, Chris? 2006. Yeah. Great. From Miller and Tyson's The Burnt Part Boys, this is Man I Never Knew. I watch women every Sunday Tend a row of empty graves Wives of men whose bodies Never left company caves I am one of many boys Hearing heartbeats in the hill I am one of many boys With giant boots to fill Is there something I can do Forced to follow footsteps Something I can do For the man I never knew Watch my brother every morning 
Somehow got his roles reversed Should be graduating But the company got him first I am one of many boys Feeling trapped before we're trapped I am one of many boys But I'm the first that snapped Is there something I can do? Forced to follow footsteps Something I can do For the man I never knew Grown-ups speak on your behalf Say I'm more like you with every day But in this crumpled photograph All resemblance fades away Is there something I can do For the man I never knew I'm calling to my father Calling to the mountain Tonight I take a vow I promise to keep I'm going to my father Going to the mountain No man will disturb his deep, deep sleep I am one of many boys And we share a common code I am one of many boys And I'm ready to explode There's gonna be fire There's gonna be noise There's gonna be hell to pay for the burnt part Boys So uh, what's happening with Burnt Part Boys since it's off Broadway run last uh, summer? Well, well show, uh... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask again. That's why we write together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a uh, little uh, paper, paper, rock, scissors here. Okay, um, I'll yeah. ask again. Uh, what, what's next for the show? The show is being licensed by Music Theater International or MTI. Um, and the the cast album will be out in September, the original cast album on the Yellow Sound label. So, and hopefully, and I I believe that some productions will be springing up uh, in various places, but I'm not sure what the details are on that yet. But um, but yeah, so there's like we're sending a baby out into the world, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. And Chris, we should mention that the show, uh, the the book was uh, written by uh, Mariana Elder. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. One of your other shows that you've got here, it's it's it looks really interesting, but I don't know a whole lot about it here. It looks like it's based on a a children's picture book. It's called The Mysteries of Harris Burdick. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it, and how do you take a a picture book and make it into a full musical? Very, dis- very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I, I mean, we spent uh, months. Uh, we, we had gotten large uh, printouts of these 14 drawings and put them up on uh, 
a wall. We're trying to figure out a way to connect them all. I mean, the, the, the book itself is by Chris Van Allsburg, who wrote Polar Express and Jumanji. Oh, cool. They're these really kind of surreal, beautiful pencil drawings. Um, and every page is a drawing with a title and a caption. And it's up to the reader to make up the story. And uh, coming out of NYU, uh, we we just decided, you know, let's do a show with no book. <laughs> let's just write the songs. That's what we love to do is write songs. Um, and we found this piece and we contacted Chris Van Allsburg and we sent him a couple songs and he gave us his blessing and he said, go for it. Um, and then that really started kind of four years, well, three years of us, uh, I don't know, we wrote at least three or four different drafts of that show. Um, and, yeah. And working with Joe Colarco, who was actually the director of the Burn Park Boys. And he also directed and wrote uh, the book. He wrote many, many books, <laughs> many versions. Right. Uh, it was just a giant challenge trying to uh, to connect these stories. But then we also produced that at Barrington Stage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, the music is really exciting with that one. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Chris. I just feel like it, it's very different than like, kind of the folky Americana stuff that, that people seem to know us for. Yeah, I don't really know how to describe that score because it's it's uh, it's sort of its own thing, and and um, uh, I hope to go back to it someday. <laughs> yeah. So is it is it kind of approached from a like a a kid point of view? I mean, is it is it really a children's picture book, or is it somewhere along a different line? <laughs> Well, I was I was gonna say there. It's kind of a it's kind of one of those books where there's like a gray area, right. so to speak, um, about like as far as if it's for adults, if it's for children. Um, our our approach to it theatrically was definitely an adult approach. Um, in every in every iteration that that we went through, it was always a decidedly darker and more adult approach than what the book is. And I think the the, the great thing about the actual source material is that you can sort of make it whatever you want to make it, and um, and you know adults respond to it in a in a way that children sort of don't. Uh, children respond to it in one way and adults respond to it in a different way, of course. And so that that was one of the things that, that was really fascinating to us in our approach to it. Um, it for for I I didn't come across the book uh until I was until Nathan showed it to me, so um so I came to it as an adult, so I responded to it in I guess a darker way than than a child does, but you know, my my cousin teaches uh, third grade and like gives them pictures from the book, and and they're supposed to make up stories from the pictures, and they they aren't necessarily scared by it or or frightened by it. They sort of make up the stories from what they are because there's something very whimsical and surreal about the pictures, and and there's a lot of detail to the pictures too, even though they're they're just like pencil and charcoal, I think, uh, drawings, but, uh, it's, it's very fascinating. And that was sort of our jumping off point. I don't know if you want to add anything. No, I think we should just say that if, you know, if you want to hear a couple songs, you can definitely go to our website. Um, and at our website, which is miller and Tyson.com 
Tyson is spelled T-Y-S-E-N. Uh, just click on the Harris Burdick page, and you can see pictures from the book and also hear some songs. I don't think we're playing any um, in this interview. One of the but it's a great challenge. One of the reviews I noticed here on your website, uh, Boston Globe, one of the quotes from that I thought was pretty cool. It says, "It's fi- the show, finely penciled line between is- innocence and experience, leaves room for both heartbreak and wonder. And I don't know, I just, yeah. it sounds like it's a, a beautiful show. I mean, imagining it based on the um, the pictures, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was a really, cool. It was a, it's a cool show, I think. And it was an interesting challenge because we weren't trying to write definitive stories to any of the pictures. In some ways, we just wanted to enhance the mystery. Um, for instance, uh, my favorite picture in the whole book uh, is called The House on Maple Street, and it's a black and white picture of this Victorian house, and the house uh, mysteriously is lifted off about two feet from the ground, and there's just smoke and flames coming from underneath the house. The house is dark except for one light at the top of the house, and the caption reads, it was a perfect liftoff. (laughs) So... Instead of us writing a story about a house that lands on the moon or lands in South Korea, we decided to just tell a story about the neighbors who just happened to be outside when the house took off. (laughs) And, you know, the the chorus is, you know, this was the night that everything started. Um, It was the end of the world and yet the beginning. And that was the opening song for the show that just kind of said, this is the world that we're going to be, oh, going cool. to live in where anything can happen. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. You, you seem to be uh, drawn to stories of that nature too. And these sort of coming of age tales. Tell us how you uh, came to be interested in adapting Tuck Everlasting. Well, that was something that like when Nathan and I met originally, we, we always wanted to, that, that was something that we sort of bandied about as something that we wanted to adapt for some reason. It was a book that we had both, uh, grown up with as 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 kids and and been exposed to and uh and it was a well known title and it just seemed like something that we would that would be a perfect fit for us in our universe as writers and uh um and so we sort of pitched it originally to uh theater works u s a which is a children's uh theater company. And they were like, you can't get the rights. It's impossible to get the rights. Uh, Don't even try, basically. And we were like, okay, so we won't try to get the rights. (laughs) And And that was primarily because Disney was doing a movie version of it, too, at that point. Which is uh, really bad. Stay away. (laughs) Stay far, far away from the movie version. Um, Yeah. They really took some liberties. Yeah, I think, for me, if you, if you guys have read that story, and I think anyone that has it, and you're interested in theater, it reads like a play. It, it's all there for you, these scenes uh, and the structure of it. And music is an important element in the piece. Um, so it just, I don't know, I'm, I'm, Chris and I both spent a lot of time reading a lot of books and plays, trying to find things that would, that would make... Um, good musicals, things to adapt, and Tuck Everlasting just seemed like a no-brainer. Yeah, we're about to especially play... because it has a you know an eleven-year-old girl. You know, it's it's to be the next Annie. 
get ready. Yeah. <laughs> and and you recently uh, had some some readings of the show, right? With in yeah, pretty big names attached to the reading. Yeah, you know, there's it's it's a really great story actually because um, we were approached by uh, Broadway across America. This was uh, two and a half years ago uh, to come in. They wanted to commission us to write something, and so we went in and we pitched Tuck Everlasting, thinking it's been several years since the Disney movie. Perhaps the rights are available. We clearly can't get them, but maybe someone like Broadway Across America with this clout could get the rights. So we pitched them the idea. They just think, yes, this is a great idea. We'll see what we can do. And believe it or not, in that week, um, the woman that we pitched the show to goes out to dinner with a producer named Barry Brown who produced, produced the original La Caja Full on Broadway. And Barry Brown sits down with Broadway Across America and says, so I just got the rights to this book called Tuck Everlasting. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you guys want to team up and produce a Broadway musical. And, you know, their jaws dropped, and they said, that's crazy. We know the guys that should write it. So we met Barry, and, uh, and then, you know, there was definitely according period and we wrote a bunch of songs and there were definitely other teams that were up for it. Um, and we jumped through a lot of hoops and, and wrote a bunch of songs. And at the end of the day, we were selected to write it, um, which is great, you know? And then they brought on Claudia Shear to write the book, uh, who wrote dirty blonde and uh, mm-hmm. blown sideways through life. And then, uh, Casey Nicola is directing it. Yeah. Tell us about Top of the World. That's the uh, track we're going to play. Okay, Top of the World is a uh, is sung by the uh, younger uh, Tuck sibling, Jesse Tuck. Uh, he's having a good time, like uh, like swinging through the trees in uh, this forest in Tree Gap, in uh, I'm just outside of this little town in New Hampshire called Tree Gap. He's swinging through the trees. And it's the song where our little 11-year-old girl falls in love with him. From Miller and Tyson's Tuck Everlasting with book by Claudia Shear. this is Top of the World. Just a few more feet. Find a sturdy branch. Don't you dare look down. Pull your body up. Dig in your heels. Let's see what this tree reveals. Just a few more feet, almost at the top. Watch the robin's nest. Pull your body up till you've broken through. Let's see if this tree has a view. At the top, at the top, at the top of the world, my head and heart are pounding. At the top, at the top, at the top of the world, I hear my voice resounding. I'm alive. I am free Look at me At the top of the world Mountains to the west An ocean to the east A storm cloud to the north Ready to pour Every sycamore Leaves me wanting More and more At the top, at the top, at the top of the world My head and heart are pounding top of the world, I hear my voice resounding. I'm alive, and I am free. So look at me. 
You gotta see it to believe it And believe me, I've seen it The frontier of the upper atmosphere A wonder to behold it A story yet untold It's up here Up here Up here I'll go out on a limb Walk a tightrope wire For the highest height Yes, I'll risk it all Give me a barrel Guess who'll find a waterfall At the top, at the top, at the top of the world My head and heart are pounding At the top, at the top, at the top of the world I hear my voice resounding I'm alive And I am free So look at me At the top of the mile four. Is it always uphill in Colorado? I only remember the climb. You would think that the Rocky Mountains would choose to slope down at some time. Mile six, none of us are talking. Silence only makes the journey last twice as long. I can tell when something's wrong. Can we talk about ball? alphabet game mile six silence guess who's getting the blame 90 days 10 bucks someone out there do the math we're talking 900 dollars we're talking my brother's wrath if i tell him i'm broke he'll go ballistic he can't handle the things he can't fix no moxie to make it through Kansas No money to pay for mile six But take a look at that sky Take a look at that Kansas highway sky Take a look at that sky
Something I must sore. Like a night past the mountains. I'm grateful we passed my stop to Is it always uphill in Colorado? I only remember the climb. The second song you heard there was Kansas Highway Sky from the 2008 Drama Desk nominated song cycle by Miller and Tyson that you describe as half musical, half hootenanny. Tell us about <laughs> fugitive songs. Well, first tell us who was uh, performing on Kansas Highway Sky. That was uh, Matt Kaplan, Wayne Wilcox, and Luther Creek. Uh, fugitive songs is a song cycle. Uh, Chris and I, after many years of writing together, uh, decided, you know, let's try to put together an, an evening of our tunes. And we were looking for kind of the glue that could connect these trunk songs. And we realized that uh, most of these songs, well, all of the songs that are in the show, are about people that are literally or figuratively running away from things. Hence the name Fugitive Songs. And tell us about Kansas Highway Sky. That we just heard. So, yeah, so that's uh, three guys uh, traveling across the country on bicycles. Uh, one of the guys is uh, the ringleader and is very excited about going on a trip across the country. Uh, another one of the guys uh, is, has been uh, dragged along um, and is completely unsympathetic to, uh, to the journey. And the third guy is in his own world um, because he recently uh, got dumped um, by the love of his life and uh, can't think of anything but that. Uh, later on in the show, actually, he ends up singing Passing Tracy, uh, which is the song that you heard at the beginning of the podcast, um, as he's still being haunted by this woman um, as he's traveling across the country. And what's the current status of Fugitive Songs after its uh, off-Broadway run? There was a production by the Echo Theater Company in St. Louis. Uh, and then uh, we, we've we been sort of taking it apart and putting it back together again and revising it and revising it uh, in preparation to do a uh, cast album that we hope to record this summer Um via a uh, Kickstarter campaign that we uh, are about to launch, I think, in a week's time. So it's very exciting. Yeah, we keep getting inquiries. Yeah. We keep getting inquiries to uh, do the show and produce the show in various places, and we just want to uh, have a good definitive recording of, of the show and the shape of it and, and what it is and 
so it's clear because it's a very unique sort of beast fugitive songs. Uh, so yeah, I, I love the description Maybe. that I um, there again. It was on a couple of reviews, a couple of the descriptions out there. First one was from Variety. It said it was a song cycle tailored to anyone who has ever thought of shucking his job, his mate, or his life to start anew. And who hasn't, right? And, yeah. and then the other one that I think just sounds, I mean, it gives it this great image of what it is. It says it's a modern musical rendition of Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Yeah. Yeah, completely. I think, you know, you know, we meet these characters in the show, and they're all at, uh, at critical moments in their lives. And um, I think, you know, a lot of them are, you know, between 25 and 35, and they're reaching moments where none of them want to, to settle for anything but uh, the best. And, uh, you know, we have, we have a, a song that's sung by a guy who, you know, works at a subway sandwich, sandwich shop in the middle of West Virginia. He talks about making, uh, doing maximum time and minimum wage, mm-hmm. and there has to be a way that he can, uh, he can get out of, of that trap, you know. Um, yeah, I, a thing songs that the... Yeah, go ahead. The thing that the characters I, keep repeating throughout the show is, "I could be something better. I could be something greater," and uh, it's it's literally them like trying to figure that out and and get there. And I believe that we put them on the road because I think one of the biggest ways of improving your life is to just change your surroundings. Right. You know, it's so easy to be to be stuck. There's an agoraphobe in the show, and uh, she's the, the final character to finally uh, stand up and open the blinds and realize that there's a world outside of her house. And uh, and she steps out, and that's that's kind of the end of the show, as everyone else has kind of traveled across the country. Um, I just wanted to say Fugitive Songs uh, is chock full of like, probably the songs that people seem to know um, us for the most. Um, they, they get a lot of uh, play on the internet, and um, and there's been a lot of requests, and you know people have bought a lot of she music, and it's just unfortunate. I mean, we're so happy that people dig the songs, but there just haven't been any definitive recordings of these tunes, and we want to get that out there so that people can 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 hear these songs and uh and it can help with the people that want to uh to produce the show and there's been a lot of interest in that which is exciting so you know we're looking at getting it licensed and, and all of that can uh can happen with this kickstarter campaign and uh i don't know if people know what kickstarter is i assume you have very savvy listeners, oh, yeah. but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can go to our website and uh, check out the link and, uh, you know, start June 13th. And by raising this money, uh, we have five amazing singers that have agreed to, uh, to help us record this. Um, it's, uh, Josh Henry, Will Chase, Karen Olivo, Matt Kaplan, who we've heard, um, a couple songs today, and uh, and one surprise guest that we're not announcing yet. Um, <laughs> I couldn't be more excited about about getting this up. <laughs> yeah, and share. and share, and share, and <laughs> share. 
Cher is She's the... very expensive, hence the Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> Cher is the jilted yeah. ex-cheerleader. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that's a musical. <laughs> hey, guys, can you describe what you mean by half musical, half hootenanny? Well, it was originally conceived as a as a circle, uh, like a like literally like a like a song like a folk song circle where people get together with their instruments, um, and you know you start on one side of the circle and like number one plays and sings a song. It might be a story. It might just be a song. It might be you know whatever moves him to like sing, and then the next person like next to him sings a song and then you know as as you go around the circle everybody sort of joins in on all of the songs and and sort of in a in a hootenanny-esque way sort of uh conversation sort of story that's happening around them and it sort of falls away and everybody's enjoying themselves but sort of searching and and we're sort of theatricalizing like what it is for a bunch of people to get together and like play music together. Picking so, and grinning. Yeah. Right. Picking and grinning, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. I think that's musically reflected where I think in a lot of musical theater songs, standalones, you know, songs, uh, it, it, there's a story. And yet in a lot of our pieces, uh, with the kind of, beautiful vocal arrangements that Chris does. Um, it it feels very organic and okay in this show for characters to pick up what, what other people are singing and, and take um, sentiments from those songs, and then that kind of propels them into the next song. Yeah. And that, that's kind of like the vocal hootin', vocal hootin <laughs> <laughs> aspect of it. So, is there anything else you'd like to pass along to our listeners as far as is uh, we've got your webpage, uh, your Kickstart program? When we get that information, we will post it on our website. So, uh, great. There will be a direct link to Amazing. the musical world. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, we did just start a, uh, a Facebook fan oh, page. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and to our so, listeners, I, w- I want to point out these, these guys are the real deal. All right. I mean, they they just uh, uh, you want to you want to invest in this in this album here. Um, they just had uh, two nominations for the Lucille Lortel Award, uh, including outstanding musical and outstanding featured actor. That was for the um, which show was that one on? Was uh, the that Bur- was the Burnt Part Boys? Burnt Part Boys yeah. as well. Yeah, that as was the Burnt Part. You were also nominated for the uh, first annual the first uh, annual Off Broadway Alliance Awards. And you were beat yeah, up by yeah. bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. You're like, you're like, you know what? Am I even going to put on a suit because everybody loves bloody, bloody. <laughs> <laughs> including yeah. me. Including yeah. me. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> we were so surprised bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson won. Um, yeah, you definitely check out our Facebook page. Um, you can also see pictures of us. We, we started writing songs for Sesame Street, and you can see us with oh, Elmo. Yeah. It's very cute That's and awesome. amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, check it out. Very cool. very cool. Yeah, and just thanks for the support and the interest. 
Well, yeah, thank you, and exactly. thanks for uh, joining us today. We're, we're pleased to uh, add you to our roster of, of uh, guests. Um, on the way out, we're going to play another song from Fugitive Songs. Uh, tell us about I Could Go Back. Well, I was, I was talking about the agoraphobe earlier, and uh, this is her. This is uh, Emily Skinner uh, singing uh, a song called I Could Go Back. She's sitting on a couch, and she is kind of going over... Um, her life um, and all of the regrets and eventually um, decides to move forward in song. Thank you all for listening. Episode 82 on the way out from Fugitive Songs. Our guests have been Miller and Tyson. This is I Could Go Back. Is there any chance that I could go back? I'd like to go back. No one yelled before this couch, before this haze. I'd like to think that I could go back I'd like to blink this decade away I don't care if the town is talking I don't care if the money's out It hurts my mind when
Did you say that you guys are close to Dayton? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're based out of Dayton, actually. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, so there's a theater there. <laughs> um, I can't, I'm not going to remember the name of it. Human Race. It's the Human yeah. Race Theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they do the thing called Lovewell Institute in the summers. Right, you guys heard right, about this? Yeah, yep. yeah um, I grew up doing Lovewell as a kid. <laughs> it's where I wrote my first theater yeah. song. No kidding. Um, yeah, and, uh, and that directed programs all over the place. And sure. when I met Chris, I was like, dude, you have to come and teach a love well with me so we can kind of see where I was coming from collaboratively. So we've both done love well, which is crazy, but I actually haven't, I've never, never seen the dating program, but uh, that's what I know about that theater. We, we yeah. work in conjunction and in competition. We do. <laughs> I, I think what most people don't realize is that musical world is just a division of encore theater company. That's what we started, oh, okay. which is, um, a, a company that does just that develops new work, and we actually partnered oh, wow. with Human Race on a musical theater festival in August. Oh, so, that's and uh, so yeah, we would be interested in talking to you about <laughs> yeah. about you know your work and doing some uh, development residencies with us. And um, yeah, we have a reading series and uh, a summer main who stage we just had out stuff. here. Um, Salzman Cunningham have been out here and worked um, some residencies with us. Um, yeah, we got uh, hot mess. Jeff Thompson and Jordan Mann are coming out. Yeah, oh, it's great. Oh, nice. So yeah, yeah we, we met just... Jeff Thompson. He was our student at Lovewell. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Ah. I, I thought I knew that Jeff was that's Lovewell crazy. Guy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He is. That's a small world. Yeah. 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 Well, great. I'm sure we'll be talking more. But uh, thanks for your time. Definitely. Tonight. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye. 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 All right. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.